Amy Ingerbretson here, professional skier, dog mom, cat lover, podcaster, and your host for Warren Miller Entertainment's Long Underwear. In this podcast, we are sitting down with world-class athletes and industry legends. Nothing is off limits except for one rule. After introductions, there are no more mentions of skiing or snowboarding allowed. We are stripping off the layers and getting to know the skiers and riders underneath the gear. Welcome to Long Underwear. Hi, I'm meteorologist Joel Gratz with Open Snow. A typical powder day in Colorado brings snow quality that is 15 to 1, or 15 inches of snow to 1 inch of liquid, and this quality will give you some face shots. Now, if you get snow that's 20 to 1, that's blower, and you'll likely be in the white room for your whole run. If you want to learn more about how and where to find the best snow, go to opensnow.com or download the Open Snow app for Android or iPhone. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Long Underwear. And you are finding us again on Skype as it is still times of quarantine. And today on the podcast, I have an incredible guest, Jeremy Jones. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. (laughs) Glad to be here. Nice to see you. Yeah, nice to see you. (laughs) I sure do, too. I sure do, too. It's been hard to get used to doing these podcasts uh, virtually. But yeah, at least we're connecting with human beings somehow. (laughs) Um, anyway, so just kind of jumping right in, you know, what, how's quarantine going for you? Like what's, what's, what have you, what's it changed? Like how's, I mean, obviously it's probably changed a ton, but. You know, it's, it's, it's fine. It's kind of like waiting out a big storm or something, or, Mm. um, I don't know. I just think of it as like, take what I, when I, with the mountains, for example, I always say, take what the mountains are giving you. You can't do anything about conditions, accept it, have the most fun you can with the Mm -hmm. conditions at hand. And so we've been doing that and um, kind of taking advantage of the opportunities that the situation presents itself in and um, having a good time. And I I feel weird almost saying that because I have, you know, there's obviously a lot of people struggling, but living where we live, um, I've never been so grateful about living in the mountains than during this quarantine time. And, um, and also grateful to have a family to spend it with. Yeah. Yeah. I feel exactly the same. And it's weird because in a lot of time, like we're, people are struggling, everybody's lives are changing, but it's not a, it's not a time of punishment per se, you know? So still, yeah. Enjoying the things you can, is super, super important. Kind of like in, in light of, you know, the fact that obviously your season was completely changed as every skier and snowboarder um, experienced. What of the season you had, what was the highlight of the of the winter that you that you were able to uh, get out there and take advantage of? Well, you know, it's uh, I've been thinking a lot about that because you know, also as athletes, we have injuries can it's mm-hmm. a little bit like injury, like this forced mm-hmm. downtime that we have. And so in our line of work, um you know, that stuff is uh, likely, you know, it it happens. So I've always have this mantra, send while you can. Um, Mm -hmm. And especially when the mountains line up and have stability and, and you're healthy, it's a time to go, go, go. And, um, and I did that. So I wrote a ton this year. Um, I think December at home was, was a really special December. Yeah. And definitely I, Ended up spending a couple weeks up in Canada out of uh, Revelstoke, which was really nice. And 
Jackson Hole Christmas with our with my family and my brother's family. That's always a highlight. Uh, every year I go to ISPO and I always try to do some riding before or after that. So I've got in a good 10 days there. And um, so, yeah, I'm you know grateful this didn't happen uh, December 1st. Right, right. Totally. Totally agreed. I kind of feel the same as I wanted more, but I'm sure glad I got as much when I did. Um, kind of. So with someone like you whose accomplishments are so immense it's really hard to kind of talk just about like snowboarding for a little bit so I guess what I want to know is in your perspective from your from your eyes and from your heart and you look at your career your vast you know amazing career as a professional snowboarder what is the highlight to you like what stands out the most to you what what are you the most proud of what I am most proud of is I've been doing this for 30 plus years and just the what amazes me and excites me is how much joy I still get hmm. snowboarding and the fact that I think the um, I am less picky than I've ever been on conditions. It's really become apparent to me that uh, and it took a long time to get here, but just the I can have fun on anywhere in any type of snow conditions and i love the fact that instead of getting turning into this picky grouch i've turned into this like make anything <laughs> work and truly um just really value any day on the mountain more than i yeah. ever have wow that's good that's a great that's a great answer i mean just goes to show that it is a real passion and the work never ruined that for you that that is a actually a huge accomplishment <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> when you think about it, that's that's really cool. Um, I guess just uh, just a little bit more for the Warren Miller fans listening. You know, you've been in two Warren Miller movies. Is that true? Yeah. And uh, one was in '99, and one was in 2016. I think ish. That sounds about right. Yeah. Give or take, give or take. And um, so I just think that like, so Warren Miller obviously was a skier, started as a ski movie, then kind of it grew and became this like snow sport kind of apparatus. And like for, from your perspective, you know, you've been a part of so many different um, film companies and you um, each one has their own thing. And so what does the, the Warren Miller community kind of mean to you? And, and then also as a snowboarder, as a spokesperson for the snowboard community? Well, I think that um, you know, so much of what, we do and how we go about making these films and stuff uh the origins of it are from warren miller so i think it's i always honored the opportunities that i had to be in the warren miller films and then um this the 2016 one um i got to shoot that with tom day who's one of my all-time mm -hmm. favorite cinematographers so um, that was really special. And I love the kind of approachability. I don't even know if that's a word, but of the Warren Miller films, I like the, the humor of them, mm -hmm. um, the joy. And I do really love just the early day Warren Miller, you know, narrations and yeah, and it was just, I mean, it was very Bob Ross. <laughs> like I heard there's a Bob Ross, um, app for relaxation and i think you could stitch together all warren's narrations and just use it to like 
calm down and you know. I mean, he does have that kind of like monotone narration style, which is very Bob Ross. However, if you actually listen to Warren, he was pretty edgy sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Said some things you might not be able to say anymore. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's cool just to think of like the legs of, you know, someone like Warren in his first films kind of stretching out to like, you know, your films further higher series and like how many different places that inspiration has led to. Definitely. But uh, yeah, let's not talk about snowboarding anymore. It's called the S word and we can't say it. And we're just going to talk about <laughs> how we're, you're another human other than a snowboarder. Is that, that cool with you? That is cool with me. Um, <laughs> and you should have talked to my wife uh, before this call to work on some techniques for that. Cause oh, she's yeah. um, sick of my one track mind at times. No pun intended. Well, that's why uh, when Warren Miller came to me and said, hey, like, we want to do a podcast. Do you have any ideas? I kind of, like, came up with this premise as a challenge because I'm exactly the same way. I prefer to only ever talk about skiing and ski movies and mountains and trips and da-da-da. And, like, it's kind of boring. So I thought I would challenge myself and see if there is anything else in there. And uh, it's been fun. So I'll, I'll start with this. I, I want to know, Jeremy, what do you see as your very best quality as a human being outside of uh, your profession and your sport? Um, God, that's a, that's a big question. Uh, I don't know about my very best, but I do think that I generally am a positive person that I can really feel like I can find, um, with people kind of with anyone from anywhere, I can generally find something we agree on and Mm -hmm. able to connect at some level on some little thing. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's good. So, I mean, I guess if, if that was a big question, maybe this is a bigger question of what, what personally do you think you struggle with most? Like what's your biggest personal struggle or something that, um, you kind of could see that might need work. (laughs) I have a, (laughs) God, that's a, there's, I am like a walking chunk show outside of the mountains. Um, so my organizational skills are horrible my when conditions do line up it's like everything else in the world goes by the wayside and phone calls emails you know losing things um yeah Yeah. just very unorganized out of the mountains and my brain gets stuck in the mountains so i'm generally just bumble around um the real world and i could improve a lot on that which is just so funny to think of as like when I think of someone that's so incredibly dialed, I think of you in a mountain sense. But um, yeah, I can totally see that. You should look. There's this organizer, an Instagram like famous organizer. She has a TV yeah. show and everything, Marie Kondo. And okay. that's what I've been doing with my quarantine. I've been Marie Kondoing the whole house. Um, <laughs> could be a fun quarantine obsession or it could be at least a nice little practice. I'm going to go. I'm going <laughs> to do that you know that to sum up my quarantine as i've been joking i'm like my garage is not any cleaner so just an example of um i have not experienced very much downtime since the quarantine just through work and kids and and you know we love playing games inside outside you name it so we've been busy but i am going to get to the garage i'm banking on garage is on my list too I'm hoping that I'm wrong on this, but I'm banking on, you know, this, us being in this situation for, for, you know, a little bit longer. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, garage is on my list. I've done all the easy things, but garage is intimidating. I think there's some like mouse poop out there. Grosses me out. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, okay, my next question is if you could right now snap to an entirely different life, a completely different lifestyle that didn't revolve around um, the S word and and being completely in the mountains, what would that life look like for you? What's like maybe a alternate fantasy life that you've ever thought about? Well, it it. it the other side of my life, my other obsession is this other S word. So I don't know if we're allowed to go there, but uh, it would be the ocean and it would be yeah. surfing. Yeah. Uh, I think if I didn't find splitboarding, sorry, if I didn't find <laughs> splitboarding, I'd probably be living at the beach right now. Yeah. It's pretty, it's kind of, it's, there's something about that yin and that yang. It's like everybody either wants one or the other, and they both have this kind of like equal pull on people's souls. Okay, next kind of sillier question. Uh, if you could have a superpower, what superpower would you like to have? Ooh, I would like to be able to teleport. Yeah, time travel immediately. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I think that that's what I wish for the most. That's uh, I interviewed uh, Todd recently, and he, he thinks that the closest we can get to teleporting is the Hyperloop, so he's all excited about the Hyperloop. Nice. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back in the Hyperloop. <laughs> Nice. Well, so on the podcast, we this season have been um, we've brought on Protect Our Winners as a partner and we've kind of been getting all of our guests to kind of go down the POW tube a bit with me. And so with you, obviously, I would like to go pretty far down that rabbit hole. And I guess just to start off, you can just tell like here the, the, the Jeremy synopsis of like what is POW, where it came from, why you did it. Um, I've never heard anyone speak about POW in a better way than you. So no pressure. <laughs> oh, God. Lots of pressure. Um, so Protect Our Winners, uh, I, start, I think it launched officially in 2008. Took a while to get off the ground. Uh, but basically, saw the mountains changing. Um, it coincided with what scientists were telling us. I uh, didn't like the sounds of, um, at the time, it was referred to as global warming. And I just felt that as the as a winter sports community, we needed to come together to try to slow this down. And didn't know exactly how we would do that, but um, as a as an industry or a community that's based around snow, um, it was time to you know dig in and kind of have this central voice. And I remember mm -hmm. uh, I tried to talk myself out of it. I, I was by no means this environmental expert. Um, at that time, I had an enormous carbon footprint and I was not looking for more meaning in my life. Um, I wasn't looking like, how oh, it'd be so cool to go to Washington, D.C. You know, when we started it, I did not think it would be, it was a political issue because it really, at that time, climate change wasn't um, necessarily such a polarizing political mm -hmm. issue of today. And I just kind of, just started it. I'm like, I know I can like move the ball forward and I mm -hmm. know I can, I know the media companies, I know the athletes and let's just get this thing started. And that's what I did. And, and thankfully, um, a bunch of people rallied around it, you know, and that's why it's still here today. Not because of me, it's because everyone, you know, so many people just came out of the woodwork to, to get it off the ground. And, and that's what I'm most proud of the protect our winners is that I am just a piece of the puzzle and it would have never worked if it, if, you know, if that wasn't the case. 
Yeah, it's it's grown so much, and now it encompasses so much more than just the snow sports industry. And um, I became more involved more in recent years, just kind of like dealing with my own insecurities about kind of getting involved with these kind of things. And uh, I think that Protect Our Winners, the biggest thing it's given me is like confidence. I think a group of people that's unified around something, it's given me so much confidence to actually speak up for what I care about, which is hard in any part of your life. Um, And I'm really excited about the newest kind of game plan and initiative that POW is working on, and it's called the Outdoor State. And I mean, I guess maybe you want to just introduce what the Outdoor State is. Um, It's launching on Earth Day. And it's just a really cool principle, I think, and in terms of like what POW does so well is unifying people. So I think the Outdoor State, it, it does that, and it's a really cool way to look at things. Yeah, so we're very excited about the launch of the Outdoor State, and it basically... You know, if we look at all the the outdoor community or doing these, whether it's biking, climbing, skiing, snowboarding, you know, if you enjoy the outdoors, you know, we are a large community and our goal is to unify it and use our collective voice to say we want real action on climate change. And um, that's really the ethos or goal of the outdoor state. Yeah, it's I, I just read the kind of the brief on it. So I guess I'm cheating a little bit, but it's it's around 50 million people is kind of like that benchmark number of if we combine everybody that participates in outdoor recreation. And if you look at that number, that number is actually bigger, bigger than the largest state in the union. So, um, you know, people getting intimidated and thinking about like, oh, it's all up to the swing states and like it doesn't matter. Like, that's not true. Like we are have way more power than any swing state. And it's about um, kind of getting everybody together, whether you're a hunter, a fisher, a skier, a yeah. surfer, whatever it is, and and think about like what you care about most, right? And that's our outdoor spaces, our playgrounds. And gosh, do we ever care about them more now than <laughs> right now than ever? Right. And so um, I just think it's a really cool way. I love the way Pau's able to kind of break those things down and say like, hey, I know you think you're just uh, an outdoor enthusiast and you're not political, but guess what? we have actually a huge voice and a huge say in this whole thing. And I, I think it's a, it's a really cool principle of like kind of uh, mapping out how like we can all unify together. Definitely. Traditionally, the outdoor enthusiasts have not been great voters. And as you said, there's so much talk of these swing states. And we like to think of the outdoor state. If we all come together, we can be the ultimate swing state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I guess like kind of going back to like thinking back about what it felt like when you're starting up Protect Our Winners and, you know, for people listening, people that are part of this outdoor state already and they don't even know it. Like, what can you say to people like as a first step and what what kind of like for me, it was like that it was the hurdle of confidence. It's like, I don't know. Politics is intimidating. Uh, maybe I'm not smart enough. Like I dealt with so much of that myself and feeling obviously so hypocritical. We've talked a lot about that on the podcast, but like, what can you give for advice of like a first step and then also just how to conquer kind of, I guess, those fears, right? Yeah. You know, nobody's perfect. And I guess that's one of our kind of sayings is um, progress over perfection. Um, And, and yes, live an examined life, but we all need to get past that and stop striving for perfection. Um, And it's not like it's one of these things where you shouldn't need to apply to care about climate change or the environment like it's it's one of those things that no matter what car you drive what you eat what have you yes there's ways to reduce your personal footprint but at the end of the day we are all part of this 
society, um, this fossil fuel society that we have greatly subsidized and we need to change that. And, yeah. and we're not going to do it without everyone getting together. And uh, unfortunately, you know, it's a, it's a toxic issue in places. Um, but at the end of the day, it's really, it's a science issue in the sense of the world's scientists have been warning us for a long time and it's just a really dangerous thing to not listen to experts and listen to scientists because we don't like what they're telling us. And um, and in some sense, I think that's, you know, kind of that death of the expert is made this COVID stuff a little bit trickier than it should have been if we right. had listened to experts from the get-go. Right. And I think it's like a very acute version of what is going on with climate, which is a much bigger issue and far, you know, it's a slower moving, say, pandemic, but it's, you know, it's all it's still a global crisis. And it's a global crisis um, on a, and the, at the grand scheme of it at a much higher level. But so kind of on the flip side of that, what what's going on right now? What gives you hope? Like, where are you seeing the positivity? What what's, where's the hope here? I mean, the hope is, um, or the optimism is, unlike COVID, where we really do not know how to get out of this problem. Mm -hmm. You know, we're struggling with testing. We have no vaccine. Experts are trying to figure out, like, ways to deal with this. Climate, we know how to reduce our fossil fuel intake. And the most exciting part is that it is a huge jobs creator. So we have the solutions and they create jobs. And so that's where the hope lies. I think that for me, once I threw POWs like resources that I had access to as an ambassador and as just a normal person, once I realized the potential economic opportunity that exists in renewables, like to me, that was when I was like, oh, I finally have something to say to the naysayers, you know, like I, this is something that like makes sense, you know, because I've always been the kind of person who's always expecting the rebuttal, right? Which, okay, the, speaking of, what is your troll advice? <laughs> um, <laughs> what do we do with the trolls? <laughs> well, the trolls, um, I mean, for me, what I have to do with, say, with social media is probably where I see the most trolls come out is I can't read the comments. I don't read them. I don't have time to sit there and debate these trolls. We learned a long time ago. We can win. We do not need the deniers. Um, we need the sideliners. It's a much better return on my energy investment on trying to get non-voters to vote or middle of the road people to vote for climate champions. And so at the end of the day, it's like, if you don't accept the facts of science, I don't know where to begin. And, right. um, and I think I've learned a lot too what created the trolls, which has helped me a lot. So mm -hmm. They, there's a reason why they generally are of a certain demographic, they're males, they're from certain regions, and it's because they have been targeted as the perfect people to buy this climate change is a hoax. And their idea of a good time is getting out there and trolling. And, and I guess to close, um, I make sure that I go out and have a really enjoyable time in the mountains, outdoors, every day, a little bit. Because it just makes me 
happy. And so there's a level of empathy that I have for these people mm -hmm. that spend all day online trolling and just spewing hatred. You know, I feel bad for these people that that's right. their existence and they're barking up the wrong tree and I'm not going to listen to them because I'm not going to let them affect me and make me not want to post because somebody in Texas, a 65 year old white male in Texas is going to scream at me online. Right. I mean, I think that's that's good advice, and I think it's fascinating. I'm sure you've listened to it, but there's a podcast called Drilled that talks a lot about what you're talking about, where all this stuff came from, um, and it's fascinating. So if if you're curious to learn more about that, the Drilled podcast goes way down um, that road. So um comes back to just uh, our outdoor community and how large that is and how powerful that is and how we all have this common passion of, you know, what brings us that joy to get through hard times like this. It's, it's the outdoors. Um, we're lucky enough to live there and people that are living in cities, I know they're dreaming about it. So just using that as our fire, I suppose, is, is what we got. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, as uh, Edward Abbey said, you know, at the very least, let's outlive the bastards. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, I want to, uh, we do this on every single episode of the podcast. Um, I ask you, I'm asking you to tell me two highs and one low of the last year of your life, completely outside of your life in the mountains and on snow. So not, not in the mountains. No trips. Two highs. Nope. Two highs. Um, just normal Too Jeremy high. life. <laughs> I mean, I can always defer to surfing, but I assume you don't want me to talk about this great. A, uh, a lot of our guests defer to rad surf trips, which I think <laughs> would be one of my highs of the last year too. But <laughs> um, you know, I will say um, to bring it down a notch is still involving mountains, but backpacking with my family. Um, we did a great trip in the Sierra we do a lot of fun stuff as a family and it's always when we strip things away as we are now and just like simple backpacking and swimming in high mountain lakes and drawing and writing and playing cards under the stars and just the power and joy and richness of that outdoor experience is incredible. And I just love how little it takes to, you know, yeah. again, you strip everything away and, and that's when things get really simple and really awesome. Yeah. I still remember my first backpacking trip here in the Sierra. <laughs> yeah. Went to Loch Levin Lakes. I remember it clear as day. Yeah. Life-changing. So that's been awesome. God, so the, I need two highs. And then I guess, um, well, I'll have to defer to, again, with my family. I mean, I've really, my kids are of this age where it's now like they went from like me being like lifeguard slash play or, uh, you know, parent figure to like play partners. Mm -hmm. So spending time in the ocean with them uh, as not as like a surf coach, but now as like surf partners. Is yeah, they're their own little surfers now. They're their own little surfers. So again, just that, that family time. I mean, I know that they won't be living with me forever or hopefully not. But, uh, <laughs> well, you never know. <laughs> you never know. Um, but no, it's just, it's precious time and it's something that I've really prioritized and it definitely pays off. Yeah, that's beautiful. And Lowe's, I would say, would be right along the lines of like trying to get my kids moving out of a parking lot with a heavy backpack and just like <laughs> set up for five days of camping. And it's like, 
my kid chucking his backpack down the hill going, I'm going back to the car. I'm over this. Um, <laughs> and the peak frustration that comes with that is an obvious low. <laughs> I have to tell you that also what I remember of my first backpacking trip <laughs> is my backpack was so heavy that on one of the first switchbacks on the trail, one of the first steep ones, I actually fell down the hill because it was like too heavy. And you know my dad, so you know yeah. that like that's par for the course right there. But right. <laughs> With every high comes a little low, always. Um, did you uh, did you have a chance to think of any story that you might want to share with us that doesn't have to do with the mountains? Yeah, so I was uh, I just briefly I was thinking of like a good adventure story, and I guess when I was eighteen, I did my first trip to Baja. Drove down there with a friend of mine and his then wife, which. The trip might have ended the relationship. I'm not sure, but I had nothing to do with it. But um, but anyways, um, went down for a month of camping. And we kind of, my buddy was on this program where it was like 200 bucks, buy everything you need, go straight to the break, camp out. So we did that. And then we got a flat spell and we're like, well, let's, you know, we got heard whispers of this endless point break. So we went um, searching for this point break. We're in a minivan. Minivan ended up breaking down. We tried to fix it, super, you know, struggled with it, ended up trading it with this ranch truck that they just loved all the electronics and like the, the comfortable chairs and stuff. And we were so psyched. <laughs> all the electronics is what was broke down in the car. So they gave us this really simple ranch truck. We were loving it and getting back to the coast and go back to the beach and then had another flat spell, climbed this mountain and we're coming back from the mountain, uh, rallying this truck and it caught fire. Oh my gosh. (laughs) In like a matter of 10 minutes, maybe mushroom cloud, full explosion, truck gone. We're in the middle of Baja. Um, and so walked back to our campsite, um, where thankfully we didn't have our stuff in the car. Yeah. Your gear was at camp. Um, we lost a book, which was a bummer because it was, uh, you know, down in Baja, that's cold. But, um, so we get back to camp and right when we get back to camp, this like sign of a new swell comes in and we surf and, um, but I ended up having to hitchhike home from that Baja trip. Back to America? Back to America. I mean, I shouldn't say hitchhike. I ended up um, linking up with surf, you know, finding a ride at a surf break to get back to the U.S. um, (laughs) And uh, so that was a good first of what ended up being many uh, Baja missions. Yeah, hopefully no more like blown up trucks, though. Yeah, that was uh, car trouble, maybe two car troubles. uh, But yeah, the explosion was we could not believe um, how quick it happened. And wow. And we had to, I mean, we had to laugh. It was, uh, you need a sense of, of humor at that time. Because <laughs> well, what else are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, awesome, Jeremy. Thank you so much for being on the podcast and spending some time today. It's nice to see a face and have a conversation with someone outside of my house. Um, <laughs> if people want to keep following you, uh, where, where can they find you? Probably social media would be the simplest. Jeremy Jones. Instagram and Twitter. Nice. And then, of course, at Protect Our Winters. Yeah. Uh, 
is also on Instagram and there's a lot of great stuff there. Um, yeah. Thank you so, so much for being here. Um, and I look forward to uh, hopefully seeing you out in the mountains at some point in the near future. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And yes, to everyone listening, uh, we are in a all hands on deck moment. So get plugged in, get registered to vote, make a plan to vote, vote and get 10 of your friends to do the same thing. And let's get some climate champions back in office. Yeah, here, here, outdoor state. Thank you guys all for listening. I hope everybody is safe, of course, keeping the stoke alive and the positivity alive in whatever way you can. And uh, we will catch you next time on Long Underwear. Snow. I love snow. I love skiing and a lot of snow. And I know a lot of you do too. I don't like to imagine what the future of my home ski hill will look like with warming winters. And that's why I started getting involved with Protect Our Winners. I wanted to make sure that I was doing everything I could to protect those places that make me who I am. So when people ask me what they can do, I always say using our voices is the most important thing we can do to protect this amazing passion that connects us all. Protect Our Winners is there to help. Pledge to vote with POW and they'll make sure you have the tools and information you need to stand for your playground. Learn more at protectourwinters.org. This podcast was brought to you by Warren Miller Entertainment, who you can follow on social media at Warren Miller ENT to keep the good times rolling. Long Underwear was produced by me, Amy Ingerbretson, as well as Jesse Hackett and Jessica McGee from the Warren Miller Entertainment team. 